Hello everyone, I wanted to share how I treated women in the world of organized crime. Probably wondering, you know, that and I want to be able to share that. Yes, I treated everybody in all these ways I'm saying in terms of the entire gender and sexual diversity and the entire human diversity both meaning adults and the children. But I treated women, girls, I treated treat, I treated girls in all these ways too, boys as well, and non-binary children, genderqueer, transgender children, as well as non-binary, genderqueer, and transgender adults too. But I want to spotlight something. Um, I treated women in these ways the most, Um, because they were the most dishonored in organized crime, much more so than the girls in the particular world of organized crime I was in. So let's talk about how I treated everybody, especially women all these ways, and how all these ways that I treat women, even as an adult, have not disappeared, never have, never will. So let's get to the point. So, I, my grandma taught me how to treat women. And I treat women well each and every day. So, in the world of organized crime, when it came to women as a five-year-old boy that I was, I was a good listener, a loyal friend. I kept my word. I was reliable. I was early on time because I love being punctual. I was trustworthy. I didn't pull out any technology during a conversation or at mealtimes with them. And if we showed each other appropriate photos, it was after our mealtimes was over. We took health, I took healthy pride in my appearance because I loved to look sharp. I was a clean cut looking fella. I would open their cab doors for them. I would call them or message them to check on them to make sure they got home safely. I I folded the washing, you know, not a fan of messy rooms. I, um, you know, I, there was no blame game going on. There was no being, um, hard on ourselves at all. Um, none of that at all. Um, and then, you know, we, we value, I value courtesy because courtesy and courage go hand in hand for me. And we made, made time for what was truly important. And we both had fun because um, I remember I would uh, wipe their mouths when they were eating. I would take the napkins, wipe their mouths, and our napkins would fold in our lap. Um, we, I walked on the street side of the curb. I stood up, literally, when the, the women approached or left the table. Uh, we didn't, we 
very rarely talked about money. The only time we talked about money was when it's time to pay. And in the world of organized crime, I was always getting money, um, which is pure evil. But I would use those quote-unquote funds when I would take women out to eat. Usually that was our thing to do. Sometimes we went to the movies and those type of things. And, you know, women went to go see shows. And it was interesting. I know, I was five. I was treated like an adult, which is, again, pure evil. I understand. I'm just being honest about that part of my life. Um, yeah, sometimes I would bump in, not bump into women in a bad way. But, you know, walking down the street. They walk down the street, you catch it, you know, you make eye contact, you start saying, hey, how you doing, exposing, you know, exchanging pleasantries in the form of a greeting. Then they want to talk about, you know, how hungry they are, or they want to see a movie. And so because I had, you know, money on me and I would say, oh, you know, just adults give me money. I would say it in a way that didn't make anybody think I was doing any criminal dirt. So... That's what happened. Um, We didn't really talk about salaries and who earned more or less. We uh, that that's just something we just didn't think to even talk about. That's why I never came up. Um, I would pull out their chairs. Of course, I was nice to them because I was nice to myself. And we didn't have a perfectionistic complex with another, one another. We were truly comfortable with one another. And we compliment... I, I would compliment their personality care, characteristics. And if I did compliment their physical appearance, it was age-appropriate. It was appropriate in general, never disgusting. And I would offer my... I offered my coats and my jackson when they were cold, and they took it. <laughs> um, in fact, I remember, it, when you're probably wondering, your size, their size, their adults, your children. Well, because I was getting money from organized crime, I would buy women coats and jackets. So I would have extra ones when I would hang out with them. And I remember, you know, carrying them in, like, big bags so when it was cold I would give them extra coats and jackets um cause they're probably wondering how did you buy but you're five well when I would you know go places with adult civilians I would say oh I want to buy this for you know I want to buy this for the ladies and adult civilians they were, like, so mesmerized by my shiver that they went along with it. That's how I was able to get women extra coats, extra jackets. And I would allow them to order first. Um, usually, they ordered first. There, some Every now and then, they let me order first. But it's usually, I let them order first. And I would send flowers to women. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that quite often. They would tell me the address of their job. And I would never put my full name. I would just say, you know, your, say something on the lines of your, like, special friend or something like that. They knew it came from me because of 
you know, I remembered their favorite flowers and their favorite colors, and they knew it was me. Um, I would walk women to their cars, taxis, and doors. And I had pure motives, nothing nefarious. Um, I would I would put thought into our times together. I remember holding an umbrella for them. <laughs> to the best of my ability, they were much taller, but they would lean down to my level so we could walk in the umbrella because they wanted to compliment me. I was three feet, five inches. And they were average height of women. They were both like 5'4", 5'5", 5'6", so 5'3". So they would crouch down. That would make me feel better. And I remember um, treating them to mealtimes every so often. Treat them out. Treat them to um, meals out every so often. Um, I was generally intrigued by what they had to say. Um, they paid, we, you know, so all the ways I treated them, they treated me. I just want to say that on record. So everything I'm saying about how I treated them, they treated me. And paying attention whilst in conversation, that's what we did. We encouraged each other to pursue, uh, healthy goals. That's what we did. I would definitely carry their heavy bags. Um, we respected each other's space. Um, you know, I remember, um, I would look them in the eyes when I would talk. I didn't look at them in the chest or in the other area. Um, if there was a massage, it wasn't erotic massage. It was, it looks like your back hurts a little bit. Let me just move, you know, massage it a little bit and then the pain would go away. Because they bumped into us like, all right, I got it. It was that. It wasn't sick. Um, And we didn't hurt each other's feelings intentionally. In fact, it wasn't even unintentional. You know? We We were just that cautious and careful with each other. Respect each other's space. We never stopped learning. We didn't think about being know-it-alls. We set our... Standards and values were high in terms of conduct towards one another. Always hold the door open. Always hold the door open for, you know, each other. Mostly me with to them. Um, we had an appropriate sense of humor. Humor styles were age appropriate. Um, didn't sweat the small stuff, but kept our cool. They didn't really share any traumatic secrets. Any secrets, it could have been on the lines of, and and it's okay for me to share this now, you know, they wouldn't mind. But the secret was back then was, hey, you're my favorite, you're my favorite person in the world. Don't tell nobody. It was like that. Um, I remember, didn't really, did barely swore, but... You know, here and there, it we swore together. I understand adults and children boundaries on that. I get it. I know. I know how you feel. I felt it too. Um, yeah, we were genuine, definitely. Um, I stood up for ladies on those less fortunate whenever I would ride the bus. 
led by examples in every aspect of life, just what happened. And um, my shirts were always iron. I remember they were women criminals. They they love. They would <laughs> before I would leave or head back to my mom's apartment. They would always iron my clothes. That was their thing. Partly due to hiding the evidence that's an organized crime, but for them it was mostly they were obsessed with uh, physical appearances. That's why. And we, you know, myself and women, and most of the people ironing my clothes were women civilians. <laughs> they would they would have me iron my clothes, shower in their homes. Then my clothes, put my original clothes back on, and then I could head to my apartment. It was mostly that. It was mostly that too. And so we were humble. We were gracious. Um, my shoes were always clean. Theirs was always clean. Um, if we couldn't make it, we let each other know. We never stood each other up. Always, you know, firm handshakes, sharing ideas. Don't have an end goal in mind when hanging out, handwritten thank you notes, um, making breakfast for one another. Um, we didn't hold grudges and we didn't really have to forgive each other because we didn't really cause each other any type of offenses. I'm just going by my memory. And we would find good TV shows we both like, went on walks many times. Um... We did, we're careful with our words, and we didn't pass through people, and we didn't pass through each other. And our messaging wasn't extreme nor too much. We embraced change. We said please and thank you quite often. We admitted we were wrong. We didn't pick fights. We surrounded ourselves with good company, each other. And we wanted others to succeed, not to fail. And we didn't complain about other people really much we would vent on just basic things about man society should treat people better and hear the solutions that's what we did and we maintained eye contact and conversations we moved around confidently with intention good intentions I respected my elders so that's one why they were they thought I was cool and they didn't really drink around me. They're like, you know, why? <laughs> Just the women I would spend time with, usually civilians. It's usually women civilians I'm talking about. Don't get me wrong, some women criminals we hung out, but they really didn't drink with me. Or they would have a little, they would sip some, but not to the point where it was like, I need to get up out of here because their intake of alcohol is about to go down to the point where they suddenly are savage towards me. It wasn't, it was never that. We were willing to help others, you know, good way. And um, we were, I was definitely shill for us not patronizing. We learned to observe and study each other, but. We didn't make each other God. And uh, we guarded our reputations with our lives. Good reputations. 
I'm talking about the civilians in this case. With the women, it was... They lived a double life, so... You couldn't always pinpoint who was doing dirt and who was living clean. You know what I mean? Um, Attitude is everything. Maintaining a positive one. That was our thing. Uh, We make reservation. You know, making reservations, but... They would put it in their name, but I was the one calling the restaurants. I remember that. And we ha- I was helping the women with their coats, blacks first, may I? That's what I did. We, Of course, we minded our table manners. Our hygiene was always on point. We danced, didn't stand idle. We tell each other we cared every single day. We pay attention to details. We never hit each other. Um... We would always ask for their friends or family's blessing before hanging out, and they were cool with it because they were cool with me. Um, we were just acted mature, you know. <laughs> we didn't advertise anything idiotic. Um, we were clear about what we wanted, and what we wanted was good. We weren't greedy. We had healthy purposes. We knew the difference between confidence and arrogance. We cooked. Sometimes I cook for them more than they cook for me. If I like to cook. Um, we didn't... There was no judgmentalism, no hypocrisy. In terms of me and the women civilians. Uh, we meant what we said and said what we mean. Never lied to them. We never lied to each other. We did pleasant, appropriate surprises, though. And we stayed open-minded because we're firm in our beliefs and morals. We were always offering to pay. Uh, We knew when not to say anything. We would offer hospitality to guests and carry luggage to their rooms. That was mostly me doing that to the women. Um, Kiss and tell. It wasn't so much that. We were so into each other, we didn't really talk about other people. We were true to ourselves. We knew how to give a good toast. Like, they sipped while I sipped my juices. Water, lemonade, non-alcoholic. If they had a little drink, it was a little bit. But they would drink non-alcoholic drinks so I could feel included. And we knew how to tell good stories. We knew when to, cl- we knew how to, cl- when to clap. And we knew the exception to rules. So, meaning, usually if we... Um, usually we talked about each other. But if we talked about other people, it was... Oh, my family's good. Your family's good. Those type of things. And... Um, We called, you know, ma'am, sir, um, guests to the door when they leave or when they enter, you know, offering refreshments, letting each other choose games and snacks, you know. We didn't allow technology at the table when we would hang. We didn't like that at all. We didn't talk about unpleasantries at the table. We didn't do elbow. We we had elbows off the table. We didn't. If we would sing or was at the table, it was 
here and there. It wasn't a regular thing. And no, we didn't. We never chewed with our mouths open. We didn't talk with our mouths full. We did. We did not smack. And we took our hats or caps and we took off our hats or caps once we got into establishments, even in their homes. Um, we spoke politely, yes instead of yeah or yep, ma'am, sir, please, thank you. And whenever women were behind me, I would hold the door open for them. I would stand when women came into the room when they were being seated. I would stand when elders entered the room being seated. And when women and elders exit the room, I would stand. Um, No loud whispering. We didn't point. I would put my coat, I would put extra coats, uh, at least one, in the mud so they could walk over it. I remember doing that. And then the women, and then I, I had women civilians who would, you know, wash and dry for me that. And I, we would walk closest to the side curb on the street so they could be protected. I never walked ahead of them. I never walked behind them always walk beside them. So I was chivalrous in every sense of the word. And here's also what I want to say. In the world of organized crime, there were misogynists, public misogynists, who um, I remember if I saw, let's say I saw guys honking at women. I would pull them out of their cars and beat them down to a bloody pulp. If I saw guys wolf wolf whistling women, I'd run up to them, beat them down to a bloody pulp. If I saw guys trying to make women suffer from their indecent exposures, stalking, persistent sexual advances, and unwanted touching, they all got beaten down to every inch of their life with a bloody pulp. And because these were public misogynists, all the women um, approved unanimously, enthusiastically of what I did to those guys. And... um, I saw they did these things on the streets. They, I bloody pulped them. I bloody pulped, beat them down in the streets, in the shopping malls, even on public transportation. Um, I remember a couple of incidents on the bus, the buses, and a couple of incidents on the trains, and nobody really told on me. It was. It was something that I remember just standing up for women. I wasn't caught because nobody was willing to say, who was it? This was way before, you know, cameras on trains and buses were a thing. 
And even the drivers weren't willing to tell on me because it was like none of the guys were willing to stand up for women. And they were on bus and trains. They letting this happen and watching. And me, I ruined their fun. The guys were getting mad at me. And I shot them a look like, what? (laughs) What? Plus, I was also armed. I just didn't openly show it. Most places, I had a backpack. So, they didn't know I was armed. While organized crime, they knew I was armed. They knew if they saw my backpack. They knew if, let's say we're in very dangerous places in the DMV area and my gun was sticking out, that's because in organized crime, I had to show that I'm not the one to be doormatted. And because I'm a gentleman, you... What you're not going to do is doormat females. That's why I really carry gun. And um, if I remember beating people to a bloody pulp, if if I knew that I knew that there were actions and comments of a sexual connotation from guys to women, bloody pulp beatdowns for me to them. It could be homophobic slurs, transphobic slurs, hateful comments of any kind, whether disability, ethnicity, secularity, class, religion, race, gender, orientation, bloody pulp beats down for me because sometimes even guys would be uh, queerphobic towards queer people. So that's what happened. And, oh, if you did any of these things to women, especially if you're a guy, it could be kissing noises, stares, non-sexually explicit comments, but it's obviously you're objectifying and you're doing the threatening behavior like stalking, flashing, grabbing, sexual assault, and rape. Oh, bloody pulp beatdowns for me to them. I I had a fearsome reputation toward organized crime. I remember I was the person that, because misogyny was so rampant in organized crime DMV world, DMV world, I was the guy that would, I was known for sneaking attack. I would run up on you in the most silent way possible, knock you out, and then beat you badly to the point where you're lying in a pool of blood. I'm not glorifying any of these things. Everything I'm saying, I'm just giving y'all painful insights on the terribleness and the horribleness of organized crime. And yes, I am even sharing the inappropriateness that organized crime brings. I'm I'm being honest about the fact that organized crime, there are rigid boundaries that are awful and that there are collapsed boundaries in organized crime that are awful. I'm just being honest about that part of my life. And um, it went both ways too. Let's say I was a... Oh, and and before I finish that, if I saw women and just queer people 
being victimized by unwanted sexualized comments, provocative gestures, and street harassment of all kinds, even sexual harassment, bloody pulp beatdowns for me to them. So all these forms of street harassment I shared with you, I didn't just protect women from it. I, I, in terms of my violence, it was girls, it was boys, it was people, adults, it was children, it was queer people, uh, black folks, indigenous folks, white people. I didn't care. I didn't. It mostly happened to just women, but all types of people were victims of the street harassers and street harassers so I beat up all the street harassers and all the victims of street harassment appreciated what I did none of them were objected or were appalled by what I was doing so it wasn't just me protecting women I was protecting anybody that was dealing with things like this that they shouldn't have been forced to be made to deal with and it gets deeper So, within organized crime, I do remember that all types of people, mostly women, you know, use violence to protect me from street harassment because I was a victim of unwanted sexualized comments, provocative gestures, honking, wolf listenings, indecent exposure, stalking, persistent sexual advances, touching, especially in public areas, and homophobic and transphobic queerphobic slurs, hateful comments of all kinds and I was a victim of kissing noises, stares, non-sexually explicit comments but it's obviously objectifying and the more threatening behavior like stalking, flashing, grabbing sexual assault and rape. I remember women, queer people black people, digital people, even white people, even children banded together and they would beat up all these people that were doing all these things to me. Most of these people were, uh, it was a mixture of men and women. A little bit more women than the men. No, no, it was a little bit more. It was definitely a little bit more women than the men, but, you know, the men just, they were the loudest about it. The most vocal about it. They were the most heard. And so that's how, that's what happened to them. These were just not good women and not good men. So I remember, and I felt bad that women got beat up, but it was good women beating on the bad women. So I felt a mixture of feeling good and feeling bad because, you know, I'm a gentleman. And it was good men beating up the bad men. So that's what happened. Um, I remember... All types of criminals banded together and they would beat up and kill the street harassers, some of them. But the women criminals were the most vocal and loud about it. And the women criminals outnumbered the men criminals. I'm not glorifying anything. I just, I was the type of person also, you, you know, in the world of organized crime, to walk down the street. I was known for the nickname Psychotonio as well as semi-automatic static because I walk around with black colored semi-automatic pistol. 
So, I hated being known for those nicknames. And if I saw guys not doing all the things that chivalry says to do, that I was treating women, if you didn't do any of the things I was doing in terms of chivalry, bloody pulp beat that was from me to them. Running up on them, fist cock, boom, then pull a blood. So, I remember there were civilians. The civilians, whenever I faced street harassment, prosecutions happened to the street harassers because the civilians called the police. While the, while the criminals, they felt like, we'd rather just kill you than to get the cops involved and you live another day in jail. I remember that, and um, it was heartbreaking to even understand that within organized crime that I grew up in, this is my last story on it, because everything else, nothing could be said more from it. I remember the stories I told you about, you know, the criminals, quote-unquote, killing for me, beating people up for me, robbing people for me, even though, like I said in the past, I never ordered those things to happen. I never wanted those things to happen. I never never needed those things to happen. Never, never, never. They would pay me every time they would kill kill people who threatened me or plotting murder or violence against me or beating up people who are trying to kill me or, you know, people meaning criminals or they they would rob people trying to rob me, right? So, sometimes it happened all at the same time. Sometimes they would rob you, beat you, then kill you. Meaning, some of the criminals who plotted on my life violently and murderously, who tried to make me scared of them. And so after they would do these things, they would pay me. So that's what, in the streets, found out about it. And that's why um, it was said that, see, this, this is, see, this, Antonio's ordering all this violence, all these murders, and all these thefts and, and robberies. I took the money because I was forced to. I didn't want to, I didn't need to, but I was subjugated to have to do these things. So, that world is nothing to play with because that world is not a game. Human lives should be taken seriously. No human should be taken or seen as a pawn, P-A-W-N. Like I said, that world is not where it's... It's not... There's no true glitz or glamour to that world. And... There's more things that happen in that world. I remember... Being invited... I remember being invited to parties... Because criminals were hosting parties all the time. So, of course, sex workers showed up. 
And they would make thousands of dollars each time there was a party thrown because the guys wanted their services. And they went to every function, strict, uh, mostly strictly business, but they wanted to party after they got their services because sometimes the parties would be all-day parties. So they could have sex for hours, get paid, and then smoke tobacco or smoke weed or do drugs or, you know, drink alcohol or gamble, you know, watch TV, you know, eat soul food or eat restaurant food, buffet food, Chinese food. The sex workers did that. I remember drug dealers showing up. And that's how the parties had the drugs. So the drug dealers would bring the drugs. And the cu- their customers would come too. And the customers would do the hardcore drugs. And they would even do weed. And they would smoke and drink and gamble. And plus, they were just orgies. So, so all types of criminals would show up, do their dirt in the parties, make money, party, gamble, sex, drugs, alcohol, tobacco. They did all that stuff. Party, dance, flirt, um, mingle, network, make friends, get 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 a husband, get a wife, get a life partner, get casual sex buddies there. Happen all the time. And the criminals the party didn't get started until I walked through the door because I was always a VIP guest because the criminals overall and organized crime, quote unquote, favored me, which is pure evil. I do recall um, how they would just flock to me, greet me, hug me, put me over their head. I was around their necks and their shoulders and you know, squeeze hugs, daps, high fives, firm handshakes. People treated me like a celebrity, even in the organized crime world. Once I walked through the door, everybody could start being wild in terms of the partying. And of course, they played uncensored grown folk music. It could be rap, it could be rock, it could be pop, it could be love ballads, it could be um, funk, G-funk, it could be mafioso rap, it could be porn slash dirty rap, sex rap, it could be the golden age of hip-hop type rap where they played all types of people. And um, they even showed adult entertainment, so I would see the golden age of porn at these parties. Um, they All porn genres were shown, let's just to sum it all up. And um, I remember they would bootleg, they were bootleggers bootlegging all types of materials, adult materials and non-adult materials. And um, I remember at these parties that um, these, there was also go-go dancers. Go-go dancers or dancers who are employed to entertain crowds at nightclubs or the venues where music is played. So there were go-go dancers at these parties. Um, And entertaining patrons were normal. 
And of course, they tend to wear revealing clothing. The go-to-go dancers are women. So they would wear revealing clothes. In fact, at these parties, the go-go dancers tended to be naked. They would start off half naked. You know, they'll come in with revealing clothes, get half naked, and then be naked. Some came in naked. Some came in fully clothed. And then they all had to get naked because the guys were objectifying them and they were proud of it. And, um... Yeah, there was also, at these parties, pole dancing. Pole dance combines dance and acrobatics centered on a vertical pole. This performance art form takes place not only in gentlemen's clubs as erotic dance, but also as a mainstream form of fitness practice in gyms and dedicated dance studios. The pole dancing at these criminal parties, it was all about sexually enticing the guys and the pole dancers where some came in naked, some came in fully clothes, some came in half naked, but you had to be naked before the night was over with. Um, and of course, at these parties, there were strippers. And the strippers, they did street teasing, erotic and exotic dances. And that was the adult entertainment. So what happened was some came in fully clothed, some came in naked, some came in half naked. They all had to be naked for the night was over with. And all these strippers and go-go dancers and pole dancers, I remember with these parties, with these with these uh with these criminals, that they were paid well, astronomically well. I I have a hard time using the word well because we're talking about organized crime. And organized crime is all about sickness. So I get it. And, um... I think about... I think about this deeply. And, um... So, uh, you know, I remember when it came to, like, they basically turned these parties into nightclubs and strip clubs. And that's what happened a lot of times. So, I remember at these parties there was fire dancing. And, of course, they were all... You had to be naked before the night was over with. They came in clothed, fully clothed, half naked, sometimes naked. And the fire performances, it means fire performance is a group of performance arts or skills that involve the manipulation of fire. Fire performance typically involves equipment or other objects made with one or more wicks, which are designed to sustain a large enough flame to create a visual effect. And the fire performance includes skills based on I saw juggling, baton twirling, poi spinning, and other forms of object manipulation. It also includes skills such as fire breathing, fire eating, and body burning, sometimes called facker 
skills, F-A-K-I-R. Fire performances, various styles of performance, including fire dancing, the use of fire as a finale, and otherwise non-fire performance, and the use of fire skills as dangerous stunts. So, performers can, performances can be done as choreo, choreo, choreographed routines to music. This type being related to dance, arithmetic, gymnastics, is freestyle, performing to music or not, performances or performance, vocal interaction with the audience. Some aspects of fire performance can be found in a wide variety of culture, traditions, and rituals from around the world. So that's what I witnessed growing up. Um, I saw glow sticks, light chasers, ray guns, light up go-go shorts, um, embedded with battery-operated fiber optic tubes, various color strings of battery-operated color lights and plastic tubes, fire sticks, musical instrument, or an animal, usually a snake. In terms of the dance, in terms of all the dancers, actually, their costumes had those type of accessories. And they wore printed clothes, revealing clothing, also in a sexy clothing, that's what I meant to say. And... I remember at these parties, they were turned into special parties, festivals, circuit parties, and rave dances. You know, the bright, colorful costumes are called performance art art dancers. Yeah, the art dancers, same thing. Had to be naked before the night was over with. And they came in fully clothed, some naked, some half naked. Um, and yes, they wore many, some even wore mini skirts and knee hide, heel hide boots, go-go boots. That was the world I was in. And of course, I remember there were house dancers. They worked for clubs or franchises. While the featured dancers tended to have their own celebrities touring a club circuit making appearances. Some were independent contractors and some were actual employees of the club, entertainers to dancers. Um... Believe it or not, women criminals would host their own parties. They all had the male versions of all these types of dancers I'm telling you about. So they were male strippers. So I remember women criminals. Oh, man, I went to more women criminal hosted parties and the men criminal hosted parties. They had, and yes, everything was Sin City, just like the um, male criminal hosting parties. So... Within that world, yes, there was a lot of that. Um, Just a lot of that going on. Um, But the women criminals liked me more than the men criminals, so I was more VIP at the women criminals. And yeah, when I walked through the door, you know, red carpet celebrity type treatment. Ogling and, oh my God, touch it on me, da-da-da-da-da, oh my God, it's Antonio. Because the women criminals like, you know, Antonio has to be the first at the party. And that's, that's the only way the party's going to get started. So at these parties, yes, I was raped and gang raped. By the patrons, 
and by the dancers. Some of the dancers, some of the patrons. And, um... It was just filled with a lot of toxic people. So, of course, trash TV show behavior ensued because of it. Every type that you can think of. And I was... I usually left before it got too crazy. Or sometimes it would get too crazy and they would have to be escorted out. Or sometimes I would just... Me and the criminals had the thing where, hey, if I was uncomfortable, they would handle it for me. Or the, the party would be shut down to those people left and they would keep the party going. Or other times, very rarely did I was able to just... They was like, all right, we're going to take Antonio up out of here. So, those are painful memories I have that I have to share. And as for the organizer, this is one last story, and then I'll close the episode. Um... I do remember that the 15 people I was rumored to have killed in the trafficking world, it got out in the other organized crime worlds. And um, what happened was the victims, when I did the shootouts, I didn't know that the victims were nearby. Usually they would have them be shipped to other people in the DMV so when they wanted alone time with me it could be to pay me or to rape me or to or, or to beat me or to have other people rape and beat me the adult clients if you will sometimes it was child on child sexual abuse because they forced me and kids to do that to each other um and it was sometimes they forced kids to even sexually abuse the adults. It's a sick trafficking world. And of course, the adults sexually abuse the children and, and use physical violence on them. So they would be shipped to other places in the DMV area, like to other traffickers and pimps, like hold on to them. And then when I call you, you got to give them back to me. I just want them under you. So while they were under them, of course, Traffickers and pimps, you know, there was rape and physical violence happening over there with the victims. So the victims, some were able to escape, and they came back to where me and the trafficker was alone. Usually, trafficker was a man, and they pulled out their guns too. I remember that, and I was just like, "Wow," because I was five, and these victims. They tend to be adults. So they escape. Because they want to check in on me. They are able to steal the guns of the um, traffickers and pimps. And um, from what I remember, that there was... They pulled out... After they shot at me, they missed. I didn't know that when I shot... Because I thought it was just my shot that took them down because I, I was armed. I, I saw these other shots being fired 
and I looked and it was the victims. And I didn't even think to ask how because I knew what happened. I knew that they escaped and they went checking on me. I, I didn't need to ask because in that moment I already knew. And it was confirmed that the traffickers, all 15 of them, died. At first, word got out because it was like, wait a minute. You know, the, the associates, the traffickers, like, usually it's Antonio and these dudes by themselves. So, 15 times there was a killing between traffickers me and the other victims that's because the the adult victims escaped 15 times because it was 15 men trying to win a shootout between me and them so 15 men were killed all 15 of them were killed because all 15 times the adult victims escaped had their weapons, you know, stole their weapons, and then tried to, and I shot. They went down, but my shot wasn't a kill shot. Their shot was a kill shot. We were all sex trafficking victims. So that's how they all went down. So the associates at first thought, well, it was Antonio who did it. So it was 15. I was rumored to kill 15 people. I was five. But the victims quickly said it was us. So the associates eventually left because they were like, you know what? With these victims, we can't do nothing about. So other trappers and pimps in the area, they were like, all right, we're just going to leave y'all alone. It was me and the adult victims. Of course, the victims that didn't fight back, they kept tormenting them. But me and these other victims are like, oh, they're able to, in terms of able to get his weapon. I was able to hide my weapon from trappers and the pimps. I'll hide in places. I'll have victims hide the guns for me. They would keep it, um, you know, because even though it was organized crime, I remember they, we were hiding secret places that even the traffickers and the pimps didn't think about hiding their stuff in terms of where we were, you know, abused. And so we would, like, glove compartments and stuff. It's like, yeah. So... That was the human trafficking world that I was in. And again, I'm not glorifying anything. I'm just saying this is what happens when people are forced to fend for themselves, fend for other people, defend themselves, defend other people. And, um, it's definitely the last organized crime episode for sure. Um, it was just a lot of Sin City behavior, you know, that I saw within the human trafficking world, the women, criminal hosting, men, criminal party, hosting parties they would do. Um, they had their Sin City versions of bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. And of course, they had me come to them all. At one point, I was going to parties every day, Monday through Friday. 
at one point. And I overcame so much. This is why I do episodes like this. To let people know that this world, organized crime, is it's a it's a train wreck and a car wreck it's a tragedy it's a shit show it's filled with a lot of fucked up motherfuckers It's not a refuge. Because it's damn sure a grave. And... You know, the women criminals... They didn't use a lot of transphobic, queerphobic, or homophobic slurs toward me. They didn't use a lot of them because they knew that I didn't give a damn what your orientation or identity was. As long as you're not an asshole, I ain't give a fuck. That's, that was my attitude towards queer people back then, and that attitude has remained unchanged. And it will be permanently unchanged. And um, with the guys, they very little used it men criminals at first they used it a lot but once they recognized it was to protect queer people they, they just stopped including women um, some persisted and they suffered physically violent consequences for me because of it and uh, when I was in that world um, all I could say is, is um, they all saw me some of the men criminals mean the same women criminals. I mean, women criminals. They protected me more than their own biological kids. Because in their mind, you're more of a son to me than my own biological flesh and blood kids. So I was their offspring, and that's how they introduced me. Uh, mostly son, it was my nephew, my little brother, my cousin, family, friend, and all the other roles that can have somebody uh, being in somebody's life, they said that those things. And um, it was amazing how, it was unpleasantly amazing, I should say, that um, um, I'm just stunned. That's why I speak for a minute because I remember um, being around these women criminals. I remember there were times where they barged in on me being raped and killed the rapist. Um, 
At first, they talked a lot about what the kids when they would see my reaction. They would change their tune and tone of conversation. And they would say, anybody that disrespects you, I whoop them. And that's exactly what happened. Belts, hands, and the gun. These are the things I, I witnessed, and I didn't like being stared at a lot when I was talking with people because it was hard to focus, so the women criminals knew that, so they tell people, look in the eye, but don't be standing too hard. And if people stared too hard or was a menacing stare, the women criminals would be on the spot. So then instead, you can look and turn an eye, but don't be looking at him like you trying to threaten him. That type of shit. Um, it's hard to tell these stories, but these stories need to be told. And um, None of this is glorified at all. I say that a lot because when people hear organized crime stories, they're looking for... If the person's gonna glorify, I'm like, I don't glorify pure evil at all, never have, never will. I tell these stories because these are things that happen in organized crime that people need to pay attention to, especially caretakers of kids and caretakers of adults, you know. Um, so, what I wanna make clear for me. This is a big reason why I hate it and hate and will always hate organized crime because organized crime is anti the human rights movement, anti human rights, pro human rights abuses and pro human rights violations. In fact, you often find the most human rights violations and, and most human rights abuses within organized crime. Organized crime is pro-human rights atrocities, so you find the most human rights atrocities within organized crime. And so, um, I want to end with this, not religiously, but you want to know how five-year-old Antonio chose to overcome all of these human rights atrocities that occurred to him and to the many others. I chose to rely on God. I relied on God by seeing God as the supreme being that is aware of all that happens. No, you know, I saw God as 
God knows the hearts of all people. God controls all things. God is aware of all that happens. God is a place of safety. God rescues good people from danger. God condemns the wicked. God hears and lies in our prayers. God loves those who obey God. God cares for the poor and needy. God tests and purifies hearts. God hates evil. My response when I was five years old was to fear and revere God, to obey um, the Bible, to please God by doing what is right and just, to trust in God. So those are all the ways I chose to overcome organized crime when I was a five-year-old Christian boy child. And um, there's definitely um, more ways that I chose to over overcome organized crime from the Christian perspective because my grandma spiritually fed me uh, Jesus in Christianity and um, I didn't rarely share my faith in organized crime because I, I was always in protection mode so I didn't have time very rarely did I ever get a chance um, besides they were so anti-religion that you know I didn't feel like hearing my faith being slandered just because I had um, my Christian faith at the time so I showed my faith through my behavior and that's how a lot of people knew that oh Antonio likes God and Jesus and organized crime world but because I wasn't preachy or churchy they didn't think about it much they, because they just didn't care they're like hey you know Antonio cool uh, whatever did some criminals make mean spirited evil spirited religion jokes my way yeah cause they figured out you know in the very rarely times where I mentioned my faith they fucked with me for it joking on me and I beat them down and they never tried to make fun of me again. So, I did face religious persecution um, in those very rare times because they started picking on me simply because I was a Christian. And they would say things so vulgar about God, Jesus, the Bible, the Spirit, and the church and Christians that I cannot even utter them at all. It's just, it was, they were just that into, I'ma just treat you badly simply because you're a Christian. Some of them even tried to kill me, beat me, and rob me because it's a Christian, but because criminals like me, they ended up experiencing street justice, this is called, through, via murder. So, how I chose to overcome organized crime as a Christian child is five years old. I saw, you know, this is how I saw God and I was five. I said to myself, God is all-knowing and ever-present, beautiful and, des you know, God is beautiful and desirable. God is greater. God is good and generous. God is great and sovereign. God is holy. God is loving and faithful. God is merciful and forgiving. God is powerful. God is willing to reveal God's laws, God's wills, and God's directions. God is righteous and just, and God is spirit. That's how I became organized crime.
And I'm just being honest about me holding on to my faith at that time. And um, this is definitely, you know, the last thing I want to say. Because after this, there's nothing more to say about the organized crime. Because y'all pretty much know what happens. And yeah, some of the women criminals and men criminals didn't like my nickname. You know, the street names, aliases I got. They just said, just say Antonio. So after a while, the street nicknames had to stop because it's offending even civilians who are like, why are y'all calling him that? So even civilians with the criminals like, stop calling him that. Did civilians always know that the other people were criminals? No. And if they did, it was like, well, as long as you ain't got Antonio in this, hey. That's how they felt. Um... But criminals even, they didn't allow just anybody to call me family or son or whatever role. You had to be really cool with me for them to, like, okay, you can call them that. No, you can't. You can't call them that because y'all not close. There's things like, there's shit like that. Things like that. So, um, I'm really getting all these memories out because this is so motherfucking painful. So... I feel, in terms of everything I'm saying to you all, that when it came to the, you know, the gospel for myself, I was tempted many times to give up the gospel, but I was like, well, this is the only thing I've got that can heal me. So, in closing, what helped me overcome organized crime as a child was I saw God as... The king of love, my shepherd, is my shepherd, shall supply my need. The Lord is my shepherd, and mighty fortress is my God, hiding in thee. O safe to the rock that is higher than I, glorious things all of thee are spoken. Are, o God, our help in ages past, all people that on earth do dwell before Jehovah's awful throne. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, O worshiping king, all glorious above, bringing the sheaves. Awful meant full of all, not awful as in bad. That's how I saw God back then. So, in closing, I hated being the being seen as the criminal that all the other criminals feared. I hated being seen as the pure evil one that all the other pure evil ones fear. I hate it. I hate all that. I always will. And I always have. So, because I've seen that with organized crime, but eventually, you know, the criminals like me were like, if you don't, if I don't put an end to this bullshit, you gonna get killed. Some didn't listen, and they're getting killed. So, um, I remember in terms of the rumored killings and organized crime. Basically, all the killing rumors had to stop. All the violence rumors about me, all the, um, robbery, thievery rumors had to stop because the criminals like, Antonio's a cool, you know, because I was known as a cool cat, they're like, Antonio doesn't deserve any of this shit. If y'all don't stop saying this about him, y'all gonna get got. 
You know what that means? You're not breathing no more. Something didn't listen, and that's why they're no longer with us. And, um, you know, I made it. Other men, civilians, and men criminals, they, they practice chivalry because they saw me treat women that way. I would even lock arms with women and walk them across the street and make sure they were okay. I did that with people in general, but mostly women. And we walk, lock arms, walk across the street, make sure each other's okay, look both ways, and we would lock arms over, walk, hang out, and talk. So because I made chivalry cool for even men criminals to do, and men civilians to do. So when they would see other men civilians, other men criminals not doing chivalry and gentlemanliness toward women, the men criminals and men civilians, there's a lot of hell to pay. Let's just put it that way. So it's like, all right, let me start um, treating women right. How to talk about women, how to talk to women. If you didn't do it in a chivalry, gentlemanly way, I and these men criminals and men civilians, you're going to get got by us. And that's what happens sometimes to some dudes. And um, I made I made chivalry a tr- I made gentlemanliness a trend, and sh- I made chivalry in style. So they was copying off me. So I had more street cred because of it. I was treating every woman right. The one the ones that related to these guys uh, that were men, criminals, men, civilians. The ones not related to these guys, and the ones I was hanging out with. So, phylogeny, the love, fondness, and admiration toward women, I made that cool, and that's where the criminals and civilians, and, you know, there were more men being taught these things as they would see me do these things in public, so. Um, and women criminals, women civilians liked it the most. And women criminals, women civilians, if you, you had to be shelters toward them or animals, or else they wasn't going to be bothered with you, especially women criminals. It was like, if you're not going to treat me like a queen... I will bust you upside your head, and that's what happened to some guys. So, well, it's been a mixed bag of emotions, and it's been mixed reactions from myself about these organized crime episodes. I'm done telling them all. All the memories are out. There's nothing more for me to report. And, um... My past is at rest. My present has no necessary stress. And my future is going to be extraordinarily blessed. <laughs>